Ciao ragazzi, Luca Laporta here, uh, co owner of the Milan Guys, and this is the third episode of the Milan Guys podcast. Uh, and for, we were going to do it on Monday right after the game, but you know, we got busy with life and stuff, so we uh, postponed it to Wednesday, but hey, we're here. So, you know, we got a lot to talk about here today. Uh, I'm Luca Laporta, and the co-founder Mike, he's here. Mike, how's it going? What's up? Hey, and we have a special guest from Syria Sit-Down. If you haven't heard it yet, Frank. Frank, how's it going, man? I'm doing great, but you can you can freely admit that you needed a you know a three day cooling off period after what happened Sunday. You don't have to have to lie. And say <laughs> that's show on Monday. No, that's very true. It was a that that was a tough match to say the least. I mean, yeah, not really much. Like, I, there's no way of uh, there's no way of making it of making it uh, of sugarcoating it. That's for sure. Um, you know what, guys? So let's get right into it. 4-1 loss to Roma at the San Siro on Sunday. <clears throat> My take from it is <clears throat> we didn't sorry guys, excuse me. We didn't we didn't capitalize. We had a few chances in the first half, didn't capitalize on them. Uh, you know, if a couple of errors on the on the Jekyll goal, the first Jekyll goal, really nice goal, give and go with Mo Salah. But you know, Vagnoni chested the ball down, and we just talked about that before we started live. And uh, I'm pretty sure it was De La Fe who lost the, lost the body battle. He's fighting for the ball. He lost it. So, you know, mental errors on the 2 nothing goal. Mattia De Chilio was absolutely nowhere to be found. He didn't even jump for the ball off a corner set piece. Um, we got back into it. Uh, Mario Pasalic off a header. Uh, actually, off a, a nice flick on from Lucas Ocampos. <laughs> Shocker. Shocking, shocking. But it was a nice flick off from Ocampos, and uh, Pasolovic got us back in the game. The San Siro was roaring. Everybody thought we were going to, uh, we were going to come back. We were going to be, you know, we're a second-half team, and, you know, we, we had a chance. But right after, uh, unfortunately, right after we scored, written in the stars, Stefan Al-Sharawi scores the San Siro. Come on, guys. You knew it was going to happen. You knew yeah. Australia was going to score. Right when he came on for Perotti, I'm like, oh, crap. I even think I tweeted about it, too. I'm like, all oh, this game needs is an Australia goal, and they'll be old. Yeah, no, exactly. And and then uh, Paletta got a red card and conceded a penalty. You know what? I'm not really I'm not really sure in a 3-1 game that that's a red card in a penalty. I think it's a little harsh. No, it didn't really matter at that point. It didn't really matter. No, it, it didn't. Whatever. Okay, so it's 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 Gabriel Paletta. I mean, he's a red yeah, card. He's a red card waiting to happen. And I think yeah, I referees in Serie A by habit just pull out the red card whenever it's him. Well, I think referees just pull out the red card. They feel like it because they're bored. He's <laughs> a ter- terrible officiating. Um, okay, so uh, let's start with sort of Mike. So Mike, what's your take? First thoughts. What's your take on the game? I'm uh, not going to lie, from our first podcast, sorry, our second podcast where we're previewing this game, I you know I said that I believe that they were going to come out fighting a little bit stronger, like having something to prove, but unfortunately I was proven wrong and they came out completely flat, especially in the first half. And you kind of knew the game was going to go downhill, especially not in our way after that first Jekyll goal and like, what, the first 10 minutes that happened. Already that is a, like a big sign that the game's not going to go well and especially them capitalizing on another goal. Is the first I know we're not a first first half team, but that was like a really bad first half. Just nothing was going on. Like not expecting much, especially from this team now. 
especially from a midfield point of view, but it was kind of sad just watching it, just seeing us getting outplayed. And the second half, we started picking up a little bit. I was gaining a little bit of hope, especially after that uh, that goal by Pasolic. I was thinking, like, okay, you know what? I could see us tying it, being at home, you know, it's around the 70th, 80th minute, you know, we can do it. And then just right after, I we scored, and I just put the dagger in the game. So I was pretty disappointed just because I thought we were going to come up fighting a little bit more. I didn't expect to win just because, especially like we mentioned, Roma coming off a derby loss, those are always like something that are motivating for a team to capitalize on the next game. So I knew it would be tough, but I didn't think we were going to come out that flat and that unprepared and looking like we were playing away. Like we were at home, like especially in a big game like that, you should be like charged up and ready to go out fighting. But it looked like Roma were the home team. So yeah, it was a bit disappointing to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I definitely agree hundred percent. It was a, uh... You know, it was a game where you think to yourself, okay, like, you know, Roma has more quality than we do. There's no doubt, especially with, you know, Bonaventura, Romagnoli out. Um, and, you know, we I just thought, you know, maybe we'll just put in a great performance, you know, fighting spirit and keep up with them. Just what we did with Juventus all season, right? Um, but unfortunately, that wasn't the case. You know, Roma's quality, again, and when you lose, especially the Derby della Capitale, when you get killed by Lazio, you knew they were going to come out fighting. So, yeah. Frank, opinions. What do you think of the lineup? What do you think? What, what are your thoughts? Um, this team desperately misses Alessio Romagnoli right now. Yeah, uh, very. You know, first and foremost. I mean, I think that uh, anytime we are pairing Gabriel Paletta and Christian Zapata at the, at the heart of the defense, we're in a lot of trouble. Um, and that's saying that with having a world-class goalkeeper, because let's face it, Gigi Donnarumma is world-class. Had it not been for Donnarumma, uh, Roma win. Roma win ten to one on Sunday. He was a, he was absolutely fantastic, and he was probably the only bright spot in what was just a just a very rough overall performance. But I think that you know this is had to be expected of Milan uh, here over the last few weeks. And, and let me just give you some. Let me just give you some thoughts. You know, uh, this is a watered-down team. You know, it's, it's a watered-down team because of the change of ownership. You know, a change of ownership doesn't want to be saddled with players with ridiculously expensive contracts and they're underachievers and when are we going to sell them? When are we going to be able to move on from them and all this other stuff? So, you know, we're stuck with low knees. We're stuck with guys that, you know, we got on the cheap. And the team is now playing accordingly. When you take an Alessio Romagnoli out of the lineup, uh, the defense is just beyond bad. Uh, where's Mattia Decilio's head right now? Um, is he, does he want to, does he want to go to Juventus next season or, you know, he's getting the captain's armband. He's being trusted to be a leader of this team. Uh, you know, which is it for him? Um, there are times where I watch him and I say, okay, we can't expect, we can't expect Paolo Maldini, but we should expect somebody serviceable, and he gives that. But then there are games like he put up here uh, on Sunday. Um, you know, De La Feu started brightly when he came over on loan, but he's he's tapered off. To me, he's dribbling in pace, and he really doesn't do much else. No, you're right. Uh, I agree. 100% agree. And, um, you know, as far as the strikers, you know, Carlos Baca is – Lately, you know, over the last few weeks, he's a man in cement boots, and that's why he doesn't start anymore. You know, at least with Gianluca Lapadula, you get some work ethic, but his hold-up play isn't there. 
Um, I mean, there's just all sorts of problems with this Milan team, and we haven't even talked about the midfield yet. No, I know. You're right. And you know what? Injuries didn't help either. Unlucky. You know, the season went down the drain right when Giacomo Bonaventura went injured, or got injured in January. Because mm-hmm. um, he changed the whole landscape, right? He would have dropped down to the midfield. De La Feu left wing. Suso right wing. That would have been a good, a good combination. But now it forces random guys like Bertolacci, uh, you know, random midfielders to drop in because that, that spot's left open now. And it, but with Bonaventura being out, there's no, there's no midfielder that can take a defender on one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And that's an issue. You have to have, you have to have a, def- a midfielder who can take a defender one-on-one, who can, who can change the landscape of your team, who can, who can put a guy on, like, who can make, make a defender uneasy and make a through ball. You know, bring and, lure, def- lure defenders into him. Make a and they're trying, and they're trying to force that with De Lufeo, But what's his move? He doesn't have I mean, a move. He doesn't have. He a just move. wants to. Yeah, he wants to run past people. There's no change of direction to what he does. No, there's you not. Know, that's so why he, he's going to counter. But it's about almost it. every time, almost every time, he's just running to the end line. And yeah. what's left to do is just to just desperately cross it into the area. And it's you know nine times out of ten, and even ninety nine times out of a hundred, it's just an inaccurate ball that's just lumped into the middle. And they just uh, cut it out and then rinse and repeat. Um, yeah. And the, you know what? It's Again, injuries are killer. Um, from a tactical standpoint, uh, not having Romagnoli in the lineup does damage a lot of the build-up play that happens with Montella's side. Um, Romagnoli is always the guy who takes the ball and makes the first pass and breaks the line. He makes the pass right. through the gap. Mm-hmm. He'll make the pass through the gap to a midfielder. This starts to play. There's many times that, like, if I wanted to, really wanted to, I can pull up. Actually, um, actually, Matt Matt Santangelo, he was on the podcast a few weeks ago. He actually did a video for at Breaking the Line, his Twitter account of Romagnoli, how he finds gaps and stuff. And that's how that's kind of the modern defender now, like Bonucci, right? You find gaps, um, and that's what Romagnoli does. That's what he does really well. And we really miss him with Paletta and and Paletta and and Zapata. They're not terrible center backs. They look way better with Romagnoli beside them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, again, injuries are killer. Again, I, I tweeted this yesterday. It seems like Romagnoli, every, every single big game we have, Romagnoli is hurt for. I, I, don't, I don't understand what, what's going on. It seems like every big game, Roma, Roma both, both times, Inter the one time, uh, Juve the one game in for Coppa Italia, he was out. But... You know, it's just weird. Why are these guys also? Why are these guys so injury prone? Like, it's, it's kind of it's pretty annoying. But uh, I, you can't really control that. But you know, it just it, it's tough because Roma did have a healthy lineup, and uh, you know, it's it's a relatively strong lineup. And we can all agree. Well, I think if you guys look at this uh, and this this winless run for Milan, and obviously a lot of courage to come back and draw Inter, but you look at and we talked about this on our Serie A pod. Um, you know, Empoli at home, Crotone away, and then, you know, this this Roma game, these three games. You have a watered-down team playing against three teams that are all fighting for something right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Empoli was fighting for survival. Um, you know, on another day, Milan win that game running away the way they played. I mean, oh, they, yeah. Oh, I mean, of course. No shame in it. I mean, they ran into an all-timer of a performance by Skorupski. Oh my um, gosh, he was fantastic. Yeah, and uh, uh, Crotone, it's you know, 
it's just one of those weird things. They beat Inter at home and um, they're fighting for their survival and they weren't going to be an easy opponent. And and then it all came to a head. You've got a Roma that's trying to fight for an automatic Champions League berth and not having to deal with the playoff. Yeah, because um, yeah, because they're they're a bunch of chokers, so they're probably gonna they're probably lose anyways in the qualifying round. Right. You know. So your comment about Paletta, um, he started the season pretty well. Um, oh yeah, for sure. But he's at that. He's he's thirty now. Um, you know, and he's at the point in his playing career where he. I don't think he can physically sustain a 38-game season anymore, no. you know, and the rigors that go with it. So what you're seeing with him is you're, you're seeing a lot of recklessness. You're seeing a lot of bad challenges. You're seeing, you're seeing a lot of mistimed challenges that are leading to yellows and reds. Um, he's not a regular, everyday center back. You know, with Christian Zapata, uh, he's a guy that has a complete – lack of understanding of what positioning is and he tries to make he tries to make up for it with his pace well guess what he's 30 now too that yeah, pace isn't going to be old. there that pace isn't going to be there forever he's not going to be able to make up for his mistakes every time he doesn't look 30 years old though it's kind of weird it is very weird he so. doesn't look 30 years old it's kind of odd but yeah no exactly and uh i don't know if you guys seen about this pepsi commercial Beve Oye. you seen it i think i'll pass yeah, i know I got, it's i got done with pepsi <laughs> Commercials after uh, after what's her name? Um, <laughs> Kendall Jenner. Kendall Jenner. It was like, hey, if it, if there's any wor- if there's any any problems in the world, just give a Pepsi. We find <laughs> any issues, a Pepsi can cure it. <laughs> no, it was um, I'll have to link it on the Milan guys. It was the picture. I don't know. You haven't seen the pic- the, vid- the video of Zapata dancing, like dancing in the video. That's the Pepsi commercial. It's him saying, like, with a Pepsi saying, like, Bebe Oi, which, like, it means, like, drink up or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It was funny. But, yeah, and Zapata, you know, I don't even hate Zapata or Paleta that much. You know, Paleta, again, he was, he was amazing. I remember I told my friends, like, Paleta's the guy. Like, he's, he's the guy right now. It's Paleta Romagnoli and whatever. But, you know what? We haven't seen – I'm actually disappointed because I want to see more of Gustavo Gomez. Um. When Gustavo Gomez played, he's been pretty good. He never loses an aerial duel. Never. He, he, he wins every single header. I think against Dzeko, he would have won that header. The, the, problem, the problem with Gustavo Gomez at this point, and I think it's been amplified in the games that he's actually appeared in, um, while he has some defensive qualities to him, uh, you know, just as an individual defender, uh, tackling, Winning aerial battles, he's got all of that. He's got got all of that to him. He shows that when he plays for his national team at Paraguay. Um, he is the epitome of a defender that you know is in his first season playing in Italy, and it's a totally different game from a positioning and a tactical standpoint. Number one, number two, what Montella is demanding of his defenders and trying to be able to play out of the back. These are areas of his game that he's just not there yet. He's He's raw, you know, to make a long story short. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, Mike, what, what do you think about Gustavo Gomez? For what you I think? completely agree. I think he should be getting a little more of an opportunity to express himself and what he is able to do because it's not like he's a bad player. And at this point in the season and this point in our roster, I think anyone, in a sense, 
can have a chance just because we don't have like a solidified starting 11 or a guy who's solidified at this position. So in a, in a sense, it's mumbo jumbo. You're just throwing everyone out there and hope for the best. So at this point, I think he does deserve a chance. I agree with his aerial duels uh, comparison, but I also agree with what Frank was saying that like, you know, coming into like uh, everyone who comes to the city, whether they're a defender, I notice or an, or an attacker, they always mention how, um, it's more of a defensive league, like positioning is different. It's much harder to score, much harder to defend. So I think from that perspective, I think it is fair to say that he is raw and, you know, needs time to adjust. But at the same time, it's kind of hard to adjust to a new league when you're sitting on the bench. So yeah, exactly. from that point of view, I think he should be getting more of an opportunity. But at the same time, I, I think Montella kind of rolls with Zapata and uh, Paletta a little more just because I guess they're more adapted to the Italian league which is a fair understanding. But at the same time, I think at this point in the season is you kind of just want to try out what guys will give it their all at this point since everyone seems to be giving up. So you can see for next year who's willing and who you'd want to keep because there's obviously a lot of dead wood that needs to be get rid of. And maybe Gustavo Gomez is one of those guys you don't mind keeping for next year. Yeah, no, for sure. And you know what? I uh, I met a uh, – when I was in Cuba on vacation uh, in the summer – I met a, a guy from Argentina. He's an Argentinian guy, big soccer fan. I have him on, you know, Twitter and stuff. And he, uh, when we signed Gomez, he actually DM'd me and he said, uh, I guess he saw some of my retweet or something. He DM'd me and he said, he said, because he played in the Argentinian league, right? Gustavo Gomez. He said, he said, Gomez is a really good player. He said, they called him the rock around here. He's like a defensive rock. So I'm like, okay, great. Like, if he's a defensive rock there, he's got to be. He's got to be at least decent. But again, we haven't really seen that much of him, right? I, I want to see more of him. And you know, I'm hoping that, like, have we have we seen a Romagnoli Gomez pairing? I don't think we have at all, right? I want to say. I want to say one want? game. Yeah. Okay, one game, and could could any of you even say what game it was? Do you even no, I think it was so long ago. I think it was one of those games where like a Zapata was injured or something, and yeah, I know. It was in the middle of the season before. No, Christmas. I know what game it was. We saw um, it was the second game of the season against Napoli. Oh yeah, 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 yeah you're right. It was uh, when when Paletta got the BS red card in the first Torino game. Remember when Belotti Belotti freaking pulled on Paletta's jersey and. Mm -hmm. And Paul put his jersey off going down, and Plata got the red card and the penalty. That was so BS. But, uh, yeah, and Plata was suspended for the next game, so we saw Romagnoli and Gomez. But that match, we lost. We lost 4 2. That was because of terrible fullbacks. I remember that game. Yeah. And that was because of uh, Abate didn't realize that Merton's cutting on his right foot every single time, and Deshilio didn't realize that he has to mark his hand. Abate out of def position defensively? Gee. You know, but you know what, Frank? Does it? Abate, Abate is underrated because think about it, Frank. Ever since Abate got injured, how many games have we won? No, we haven't won a lot. No, exactly, <laughs> right? And it's weird. It's weird that, you know, Abate, you know, he's, he's, you know, he bleeds. He bleeds red and black, right? He loves the club. He loves it. Yeah. You can just tell. But, you know, he's obviously lost what he was in 2012, you know, but – Maybe he adds something that, you know, we don't really see, some intangibles, because we haven't won when – after he got injured against Sassuolo, right? I think we only have one win after that, one or two wins. I think it's more of just like a leadership kind of thing with the yeah, arm and stuff. He does, he, from, a, from an actual tactical and like like soccer kind of like view, I don't think he's been adding that much, like especially since none of our fullbacks can cross to save their lives. <laughs> but um, 
I, if you want to like talk about like intangibles and stuff like that, I think like one underestimated thing that he has about him is that he's a great leader in comparison to someone like a Deschiller or Montolivo who are the armband who don't really give their all in terms of wearing the armband for the club. So I'll give him that. But in terms of like actual tacticalness, all their fullbacks are pretty much waste in my opinion. So I don't, I don't wouldn't really pinpoint our recent struggles to like on Abate. I'd obviously pinpoint it more to like a, a Bonaventura, something like that, but More relevant midfield, e- exactly. So, I mean, Mike, yeah. your point on the captaincy. I mean, I'll agree with you on Decilio. I'm not so sure I can agree on Montalivo anymore. There was a time where I would, um, but since the injury, there have been demonstrations by the players of getting behind him. Um, you know, when we at the time, Yang scoring his goal and oh. <laughs> getting out the Montalivo jersey, and then uh, when they won the Super Copa having him uh, lift the trophy. So th- maybe he doesn't do it on the pitch, but there's a, there's a respect for him in the dressing room. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have a blog coming out about restructuring this Milan team. And I think Montalivo stays in this team and still is going to be the captain, but it's going to be captain by title uh, uh, where he's on the field, ma- the new Massimo Ambrosini where oh. they, He's got everyone's respect in the dressing room, but he's going to be a rotation guy when it comes to picking a team. I wouldn't I mind could, if he was in the I club. With, I don't I care agree if he's at team. the club. Like he's not like a freaking. He's not. He's not the problem. If he's on the. If he's in the club and comes on, like you know, comes on to maybe even close out a game or something like that. Like I don't care. That's fine. I don't care. I, but, I completely uh, agree with that. I yeah. agree with that statement. And like, and I, and you do, you are right. He does have quite a bit of respect throughout that locker room. I will give you that as well. I just think, I think my point of view is because I completely agree with what you were saying. I think like, especially being spoiled with so many great captains at this team, yeah. I think like he's not the guy. But I like how you put into perspective as an Ambrosini kind of guy who's just well respected. You know, if he says something, people will listen, kind of thing. But he's not officially the captain especially i like how you said he'd be like a rotation player like you come on the 60 or 70 minute maybe he can change the game or maybe we're up a little bit you know give a little guidance to guys like locatelli who are young looking for guidance and stuff like that so yeah i completely agree and i have no problem keeping him if he's going to be more of a rotation player but i think if we're going to keep him and he's going to be starting maybe take over locatelli spot or something like that then i kind of have a problem with it but or else i don't mind it that much yeah mm-hmm. no yeah okay you know what we already been talking about for 20 minutes. You know, let's go to, uh, you know, there's been a lot of questions with uh, a lot of people are saying that Montella should, uh, I don't know. I don't agree with it, but a lot of people are blaming Montella for all this. And I, I, I think we wouldn't even be in the sixth spot if it wasn't for Montella. But um, Montella's usage of players for the Roma match, they, a lot of people said that. And, of course, you, you don't understand, Milan fans, they're, they're the kings of second-guessing. If we would have won the match against Roma, they would have been like, oh, what a lineup. A, a great lineup from Montella. But when we lose the match, oh, we could have this, could have this. Like, you know what? The second guessing, you don't like woulda, coulda, shoulda. You don't know what's going to happen, right? Um, you, you could put your best lineup out there and still lose 4 1. Like, it's not, like, I don't know. What, what did you, like, here, Mike, Mike, let's go with you first. What do you think about the act, just the lineup in general against Roma? Do you think there should have been any any changes to it? Uh, at first, realistically, when I was watching, when I was like the pregame, I saw that Vagnoni, Vagnoni was coming in for Calabria. I thought that was like tactical, but then it made sense that obviously it was like an injury kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Kuchka was available for that game. No, no, he wasn't. He wasn't. Okay, so if he was, obviously that was someone I would love to have seen that game to yeah. to compete with the grit of like um nine Golan. Exactly of a nine Golan. So that kind of hurt us, but obviously that's not Montella's fault. Um, I for this game, I, I if there was only one real change because I, I like that Lapadula started. That was the type of game where you needed him with that grit in there at the top. So I like that. The only thing I would kind of say is I would have. I would have probably gave given Locatelli the start for this one instead of Sosa. And then if Locatelli kind of bottled the first half, then I would have thrown Sosa in there. But other than that, I didn't really have a problem with it just because I'm looking at Montella's perspective and seeing the guys he has a, as a, has available. Like he didn't have a Kuchka, for example. A big game like this, you'd love to have a Romagnoli and a Bordaventura. Obviously, can't do nothing about that. So I think a lot of people kind of forget about those injuries because I even see people tweeting like, oh, these are the guys we need to keep next year. And I see people even forgetting to add Bonaventura just because he's been out for so long. We're getting used to not having him. So, again, you can't fault Montella for that. So, at the end of the day, he's kind of having to work with what he has, and it's not much. And even with the guys that were missing, it's still not that much. So, I can't really fault him. The only thing I would say is I would have probably given Locatelli the start, especially since he's been benched or starting off the bench last couple games, just to see if he would kind of prove himself in a way. But other than that, I didn't really have much of a problem expecting since I wasn't really – expecting this team to go out and really dominate or win this game. So I didn't have that much of a problem with it. Yeah, no, exactly. And, uh, um, you know, I totally agree. And, you know, I love Manuel Locatelli. I think he has a really bright future. But some fans need to realize he's not the second coming of Andreas Iniesta right now. Like, he, I said this last podcast, too. There's some people on Twitter that – it's like they think that Locatelli is going to come in and we're going to win 5 nothing. Like, it's not, it's not going to change that much. Like, I don't know. It's just me. But, Frank, what do you think? I, I think um, Montella's lineup was pretty much made for him, uh, unfortunately. And, and uh, Mike, you touched on it with the injuries. Um, and I'm in agreement with Mike. I, I, I would have preferred Locatelli over uh, Mati. Um, yeah, or him too. Have, would have probably been the only way to do this. I think, uh, I think the I think the Calabria benching was necessary. Uh, I just I don't think he's ready for this level yet. I mean, I still have images of him being toyed with by Pedersic in the derby just a few weeks ago. Um, and uh, you know, when you look at the rest of it, I mean, uh, Sosa has has put in some decent performances. You know, it looks like he's looked to to kind of be that deep lying guy. Um, you know, to help them keep the ball. Uh, I, I would have preferred Locatelli's box-to-box energy over Mati. Um, you know, I th- I, would it have changed the result? No, uh, I don't think so. Um, you know, Pasolic is a, a pretty good player. Um, you know, he's a, he's a loney. Uh, but he's demonstrated in these big games to have the yips, you know, in the opening minutes. Uh, and he he needs time to come into the game, and that was evident here on Sunday. And then he scores a goal. So um, there's really not much more that Montella can do. Uh, you know, he's playing the he's playing the hand that he's been dealt. And you know, as far as Montella overall, I mean, he's been. I talked about this being a watered down team uh, just because of the ownership changes, and he's been tasked with making chicken salad out of chicken. You know what? I don't know if you can cuss on your podcast or not. So. Um, you know, so I, you know, long story short, his, his, his lineup was, his hand was forced. I mean, he really couldn't play anything other than this. And 
like I said, I would have probably gone Locatelli over Mati. Um, and that's about it. Yeah, no, I, to be honest with you, I, I, I like Mati Fernandez. I like Mati Fernandez. I think he's actually better than all the other midfielders. He never loses the ball. Um, I, I don't know. I, I guess maybe people are, uh, people are, um, you know, 50-50 on it. But I actually really, really like Mati Fernandez. I think he's a player that could stay in the depth and with depth next season. Because if you really look at Mati Fernandez, if he played with good midfielders, he'd be way better. When with Mati Fernandez plays with Pasalic and Sosa, he's obviously not going to look great. But, no. but Mati Fernandez is not a bad player. He's actually a, a, he's an experienced city. I, I don't know. I'm a fan of Mati Fernandez. I don't know. When he's healthy... When he's healthy, I won't even mind seeing him as a depth guy, just a depth guy next year, you know, compared to like, you know, I like him more Bertolacci. Bertolacci actually was good when he came on, though. He was actually good. He, he had a nice shot, nice shot, just went wide, you know. So yeah. I don't actually mind it. But uh, obviously, the midfield needs work. It's needed work since freaking Clarence Seedorf left. Um, and, you know, it's tough because you, you win the middle, you win the game, right? You win the middle of the field, you win the game. Uh, the you know the middle of the field links up your your uh, defense yeah. and forwards, right? So you need a good midfield. You look at like I said last podcast. You look at all the top sides. You know the Champions League. They all have a good midfield. Um, mm-hmm. So you know you, you look at Real Madrid. You look at Juve. You know you know I tweeted this yesterday. Juve Kadira gets injured and they put Marquisio on. <laughs> yep. Like some depth that is. Well, I mean, when you're making you're making a comparison to a team that has guys that have you know not only have had experience at very high levels, but they've all played together, you know, versus a this Milan midfield who, um, you know, I know Sosa has some experience, I know Mati has some experience, Pasalic is relatively young, but how many guys have those? How many games have those three guys played together? You know, no, you're right. So, you're right, and, and injuries come into play with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know what, and you know, it's, you know, injuries, suspensions, uh, un- people, players being unavailable. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it's just, you know, it's tough. Um, but that was, that was good. We know we're going to, I think we have maybe like 10 minutes left, maybe a little bit, 12 minutes left. Let me check here. Hold on. Here we got 10 minutes left. We got 10 minutes left for our, uh, for our max. So let's talk. Let's talk. Uh, we were going to talk about the Europa League race, but you know we're, everybody knows we're against we're against Inter. Uh, we're against uh, Inter and Fiorentina are the competitors. We're three points up on both of them for the six spot. Six spot qualifies. So basically, if we beat Atalanta, if we can be a, if we can win if we win two to the three games, we guarantee six spot for ourselves. Is that is that that's correct, right? I think it is. If we, went, if we, yeah. if we yeah. go two and one, we're good. Fiorentina have a very hard schedule. They they play Lazio and Napoli in the last three games. I I don't even I wouldn't necessarily even worry about them. I think if like let's just say both Milan and Inter haven't bottled the last couple three four games and like they kind of got like a, maybe a one or two wins each. I will feel like wouldn't have even been in the discussion right now. It's just because Inter's kind of been slacking recently. That's kind of why I think they're like tied. Or else, if there was more of a balance, I think Inter uh, if we wouldn't be talking about Fiorentina. I think yeah, I no, think, then, yeah. 
I think sixth position here in Serie A is going to be one that's just going to be backed into. Um, I don't yeah. think anyone's really fighting for it. Um, I think you're weighing up. Do you want to play that qualifier late July, early August? And, you know, now the coach is calling you in at the beginning of July instead of July 10th to do your preseason training so that, uh, you know, you get enough repetition and, and, and your holidays are cut short and all this other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> There's all these elements that go with, uh, with being in sixth and the qualifying round that you have to play. And it seems like, you know, Milan, Inter and Fiorentina are all just, they're, they're, they're trying to get out of it. <laughs> really. It, like, it really seems that. And it's funny because of the, the, like as a Milan fan, like, you know, like we've obviously we're champions league prone, but like at the same time, you know, like have we mentioned in other podcasts, like, you know, the step to get back to Champions League, you know, try and go in the Europa League and then like see what you can do from there and take that next step. It's funny because like at this point, like I just want to see Milan play in a European competition again in the one year that we actually have the chance to actually make it. They don't need like they don't even want it. That's the, what I find the most ironic thing. And it's going along with what Frank said. Like a lot of people are like, because I've mentioned, I've tweeted this theory up before and I've, and I've seen a lot of people like starting to go along with it. Like, the Chinese tour, like, think about it. Both Milan and Inter are now Chinese-owned, respectively. So that's a huge thing as an owner. If you're just buying – it's like when you buy a new car. Like, what's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to go show it off to your friends, your family, and stuff like that. The same thing with Chinese owners. They want to bring their team back to the homeland and show off, like, this is what we purchased, you know. And obviously, it's a big revenue thing. And going along with what Frank said as well, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, this as a play, like as a player, you want a vacation as well. You're starting right away with uh, – with, um, Europa League uh, qualifying. You're starting right away. They're not getting that nice little break. And the Serie A season starting even earlier this year because of they have to compensate for the World Cup uh, next summer. So a lot of people don't put these factors into perspective. And there's kind of a reason why this theory keeps on hindering around that. And it's kind of evident now that all three teams don't really want it, especially Milan and Inter having to go to that Chinese tour. So I can understand why they're trying to, I guess, like not get it. But at the same time, it kind of sucks as a fan because you want to see your team play. The only thing is for Europa League, a lot of people, again, forget that is Europa League is played on a Thursday, meaning that you're only going to get a couple days rest until your next Serie A match, which will sometimes have to be pushed to a Monday. So a lot of people don't think about that as well because Champions League is Tuesday and uh, Wednesday. Luca, um, you know, right now it, it, Milan sits sixth, and I actually think Milan are going to finish sixth. Hope so. Um, you know, I think, and it's and it's not going to be because they avoided it, and Inter and Fiorentina avoided it. But you talked about Fiorentina's schedule. Um, you know, Milan's running at Atalanta and then home against Bologna and then away to Cagliari. Um, but now Inter have just sacked Pioli. Uh, mm-hmm. That that's interesting. I didn't think that was. In, why would they? Why would they? Like, what's the point of sacking a coach with three games left? What, what's the point of that? Because it's Inter. It's interesting, yeah, like, I mean, and, and and here's what, and here's why. It's and, and 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 the timing with which they did it. Oh, let's let's sack Pioli here. There's five minutes left in Juventus's Champions League game. Let's sack Pioli now. No one's going to notice. Everybody's going to be all in euphoria about Juve reaching the Champions League final. We'll fly under the radar, and no one will make a big deal out of it. That wasn't the case at all. No, not at all. I think, they, I think that even just shows more how much they don't want Europa League as well. Because really, what was the difference? I think they're just trying to make it. I think they just made it even more obvious that they don't even want it sacking yeah. him. Well, they, they don't. Well, Inter season has been much more disappointing than ours. We spent twenty million euros on average players. They they spent over a hundred million euros on players they thought they were going to be world class for them. They weren't. 
I mean, yeah. to my point, very we're a very watered down team right now. And we Inter, are Inter loaded up and should be in the top. There's no excuse for them not being in the top three. Well, um, to, top, four at, least, top, top four, four at least. Top four at least. At least, at yeah. least top four. Lazio has a really good squad and they're playing really well, but scoring seven goals. <laughs> but uh no, yeah, and you know, it's it's tough. But I think, you know, that is it's in our own hands. It's still in our own hands. You know, general beat Fiorent general beat Inter, Fiorentina tied. It's in our own hands. We win, we're in. I, I want I want us to play. I want to watch us play during the week next week. I want to see us on I don't want to like I stream games. I don't want to I can watch them on HGTV. I, I want that. I want to watch them next year. I want to come home from school and watch them in the week. Um, I agree. And you go from work too. You want to watch them not just on the weekend. So hopefully they can do that. So let's close it out in the last few minutes with uh, with some Mercato talk. Just saw on Twitter right now. So uh, Mira Bedley had a just had a meeting at Casa Milan with the Torino sporting director. I don't know if you guys read that. Yeah, I was um, looking at that. Yeah, so they discussed Zapacosta, Basadli, Poli, because Poli's been rumored to uh, go there. And they also talked about Belotti, and Calcio Mercato released, apparently, that they, uh, Torino told them a price for Belotti. And Torino won 100 million euros for Andrea Belotti's services. Uh, just to add on to that, just one thing that's a little bit, like, kind of like thrown into the Belotti thing. Also, uh, Han Lee was also present at the meeting as well, which is something yeah. that isn't really normal to have like your, well, I, I know obviously the other guy is the owner as well, Young Han Lee, but I think David Han Lee has high up rankings as well. So to have like that kind of a presence in that kind of meeting as well, uh, I wouldn't think it would be normally for a guy like Zappa Costa or Baselli. I think that kind of was there for a pitch at, uh, uh, at, uh, Bellotti. But at the same time, I think, I mean, I'm not trying to jump to conclusions. I don't think it'll really happen. I'd love for it to happen, but it's just too hard. But at the same time, you hear a lot of opinions and stuff on Twitter. Kaido, like, as we know, like, remember when he had Cherchi, Turbe, guys like that, he lists these high prices, but he's trying to get that high offer. No one's, I'll be honest, like, I love Bellotti. I'd love to see him on Milan. He's a Milan guy, but no one's going to pay you $100 million for him because he could be, could be, he could very well be one of those guys who just a one-and-done season, and then he's not going to do anything. So I think Kaido's kind of shooting for the stars and trying to rip someone off, and I don't think anyone's going to offer that. And throughout the summer, I think he's going to start lowering that price. And to be honest, I'm seeing some things, and if we're getting – if we can offer $60 million and um, I know Mihailovic has a boy crush on, like, a guy like Kuchka and Poli, if we can maybe give him one of those guys with a couple of million dollars around that range, I, I wouldn't rule us out getting Belotti, to be honest with you. No, yeah, and uh, just for other striker talk, uh, yesterday, Sky, which is most reliable in my opinion, they said that uh, Real Madrid want uh, 60 million for Morata. You want 60 million euros, but that's his price. I mean, if I'd buy Morata, to be honest with you. I, I love Belotti, but I, I low-key kind of put Morata just on top of Belotti. Maybe, because he scores so many – he's playing on a big stage and he's scoring too. And also, he's one of those guys like – Belotti, like, obviously, he's a crazy goal scorer. But I, I kind of fear that because, obviously, in comparison to Milan's midfield to Torino, it's like he, he's getting service. And not that we aren't going to buy midfields because I think we will, but I feel like sometimes, like, he, he's not one of those guys who can kind of create on his own. I, th I might be wrong. 
but I don't feel like he has he has to be created for. I think Morata's. I've seen him at Juve and seen him at Madrid. He's kind of one of those guys. Like if nothing, he's not getting service or whatever. He kind of takes a ball and creates on his own and scores on his own sometimes. So that's kind of where I give the edge on Morata. But at the end of the day, having one or the other, it really doesn't matter for me. I'd just be thrilled to have like a proven proper young striker. No, yeah, and Morata's young too. Yeah, he's only like twenty four. So yeah, yeah. The Italian in me says I'd rather have Belotti. Of course. Yeah, no, of course. And he's a Milan fan as well, so. Ital yeah. Milan. Yeah. Ital Milan. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, yeah, and so the Shilos, the, the freaking Shilo situation still hasn't. Uh, he's going to Juve. Yeah, he's going. He's going. Is he going to Juve? He's dead to me. But why? I mean, Danny Alves is going to be there for another season. Um, I don't know if uh, – Unless Hubie plans to part with Lichsteiner. Um, Sandro's going to be there for a few Probably. years. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I don't understand. You bring up a good point. Like, It's not like they, if they didn't have Alexandro, then I can understand. But they have him. They also have Lichsteiner. You know, they have multiple guys because they're a, a deep team. So like, it kind of confuses me why he's being linked. Yeah, no. And uh, I don't know. It's, uh, he'll play right back probably, right? Potentially. But Denny Alves is there. Yeah, Danny Elvis is doing wonderful stuff right now. Unless so. he's going to be a bench player for him. Yeah. I, if he's going to get a lot of money to just sit and watch Danny Elvis play, it's not going to, you know, and he, and he wants to do that, then, you know, all the best. But it's better for yeah. us. Whatever, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah so we're, we're going we're gonna to wrap things up here, guys. We're about 40 minutes. We've been talking for about 40 minutes. So uh, we discussed the Roma-Milan game. Uh you know, the lineups in Montella and injuries, and we discussed uh, a little bit of the Europa League race in Mercato. So, guys, this is our live viewers. We thank you so much for uh, for tuning in. We really appreciate it. And uh, if you want to watch it all later, it's going to be on YouTube right away. So, uh, yeah, drop a like, drop a, drop a comment, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, you know, Mike and I were really trying to be consistent with this. So, thank you so much to the viewers. Frank, thanks so much for being a special guest here today. Really appreciate it. Uh, Pleasure, pleasure to be on. Um, yeah, in if fall, you don't mind, yeah, if you don't yeah. Mind, if you don't mind me promoting the uh, Syria Sit Down Pod, yeah, of course. Uh, we're on World Football Index. Uh, look up Syria Sit Down, WorldFootballIndex.com. Look for Syria Sit Down. We have a weekly pod. We have a guest panelist, normally a writer overseas, um, and uh, you know we've had Luca on. We've had uh, the guys from Italian Football TV on. So we've had uh, we've had we get we get everybody on. So it's kind of it's kind of fun. Yeah, and we'll uh, we'll give you a shout out right like after the episode. I'll tweet it and say follow follow you guys too. Um, yep. If you have to follow Frank, it's ftc underscore twenty one. Uh, if you have to follow Mike, uh, it's is it TMG Mike? Mike TMG five. Mike TMG five. Uh, if you want to follow me, it's Luca underscore Laporta. And yeah, drop a like, drop a retweet. Really appreciate you guys listening. And this Saturday, Milan Atalanta, Forza Milan. Ciao ragazzi, ciao. Ciao. Forza Milan.